Hi, this is Ross Payne here with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR, episode 60. It's not a cliché. So, that was beautiful, Ross. That you, was, uh, Tom, that was your idea. That was my you. idea, but I was going to see if you wanted to actually do the voice, and no. hey, presto, you did. See, it was a, it, it's a take on, it's not a Tuma from Kindergarten Cop. So, yeah, um, it's probably one of the, I'm just pretty sure Arnold didn't expect that to be one of the most f- famous lines he'd be known for. Um, yeah, of course, he listens to this show, so I'm sure he'll email us. We love it. you, Arnold! Yes. Um, I'd also like to point out we uh, started this show without a single voice test. Yeah. That's how sure we are of ourselves. Yeah, or I just don't care anymore. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> Ross does have the sweet, sweet gray pallor of apathy now. Yep. Um, well, I also have to edit the Unspeakable Oath episode 2 as uh, before. Get to this. So I got a lot of podcasting editing to do, you know, slaving over a hot garage band for hours and hours. Um, so anyways, get uh, And Ross on. is not appreciated. I am appreciated. I've been nominated for an any Oh, award. here we go. Yes, now here we're in we the go. news. Uh, as you uh, listeners may know, I have written two books for Art Dream Publishing, uh, uh, Curriculum of Conspiracy, and more recently, Road Trip, a campaign for monsters and other childish things. And uh, this campaign has been nominated for Best Adventure at the Innie Awards, which is pretty much the biggest role-playing, tabletop role-playing game awards in the industry. I mean, there are the Origin Awards, but those are for retailers. And those are... Not for the actual creators. Yeah, these are actually nominated by... Veteran game designers and writers and other people of that in and the industry. And Ross is a motherfucking nominee. And I am a nominee. Many were uh, submitted, few were chosen. Um, of course, I'm Ross going... is not going to let this go to his head. Yeah, no. Um, the actual award ceremonies are at Gen Con itself, which, of course, we will be there uh, in person, in the flesh. Uh, so you can. Uh, it's where the elite meet to greet each other and, uh, and eat meat. Yes. Um, <laughs> Those of you who like the life in helicopter. Um, so there's an online voting segment for to determine who the awards are to go to. You know, there's the nominations. Now there's the actual voting. Now uh, every year, uh, Paizo uh, they have a very dedicated fan base with their Pathfinder uh, role playing yeah. game, and they tend to win. So why don't we do an upset? You know, all of you listeners out there, if you're listening between now and July 24th, 2011, uh, please go to any-awards.com/vote and vote uh, as uh, monsters and other childish things road trip. Uh, as best adventure. Now vote that as number one, uh, and then vote whatever else in order of conscience, uh, whatever you, if you even heard of them. You can leave everything else blank. Just make sure you vote Road Trip as number one. Now, uh, of course, as a writer for Arc Dream, I must also uh, ask for the support uh, of their. They have several other products in there. Um, Delta Green, Targets of Opportunity, which is also up for best adventure, even though there are no actual adventures in it. It's just a source book of. Uh, Bad guys for Delta Green, so uh, there but you must support them too, but not as yeah. much as Road Trip. Yeah, obviously, get your priorities. Through. You can put them in number two. And if uh, Ross wins the award, he promises to jump a shark with a motorcycle. Yeah, okay, yeah. If I win gold, not second or third place. There's a second or third place, I believe. If, he, uh, if Ross wins gold, bronze, yeah. Uh, I, I, if I go home with the gold, I will jump over a shark with a motorcycle. Was was that it, Tom? Yeah. That's it. Okay, I've never ridden a mo- I've never driven a motorcycle, so this will be fun. Well, then. Uh, you, then you'll want to see this, kids. <laughs> yeah, get my autograph now before it's too late. Oh, um, uh, come on. If, you, if it doesn't go right, you can be the weird, you know, horribly hitty, disfigured guy that lives by himself. Yeah, And cranks out, cranks out mysterious books. There we go. Yeah, and that, that'll that, pay the bills. Anything, yeah. that the kid, anything that the neighborhood kids hit into his yard is his for eternity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. 
That's a very imaginative world you have there, Tom. Uh, you like that? I'm what, trying what, to. What I'm, color I'm, is the sky in your world there? The color of a TV, of a staticky TV, Ross. Oh, nice. Call back to Neuromancer. Um, so uh, in other news, uh, of course, I'll be there doing a seminar for uh, about zombies, 1,001 uses for zombies in role-playing games. Um, and I'll be running two games of Road Trip, one game of Wild Talents, uh, Zombies and Other Game Cannibals, which you may have heard the playtest on our actual play podcast. Uh, Tom is not doing anything, but he will be there to listen to you, and you can touch him and get his autograph. See, uh, my plan like is... What I'm going to do at Gen Con is whatever God takes me to do. Oh yeah, I so. am. I am His instrument. You okay? A little creepy there. I thought so. that's what I thought. Um. So yeah, uh, I will also say my book, Zombies of the World. Uh, now we're offering free shipping in the U.S. So if you live in the United States, you can get uh, the books shipped to you for mere eighteen dollars ninety five cents, or the the posters. Uh, so take that up. We'll have some copies for sale at. Gen Con, of course. Uh, you can get me to autograph them and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, if you want my autograph in there, I'll even put, I'll even write something disparaging about Ross in there. No, you you had nothing to do with that. I, I didn't, but some people might like to see me rip you one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you probably have better hand. I mean, you, I'm sure you have better handwriting than I, I know do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I have the hand. Like, here, I'll be there to translate whatever you write. Uh, my... It's like, excuse me, Larry. Oh dear! This is a very ancient, stupid dialect. Yes. Here, let you translate. It's a problem you when you learn Aklo first um, instead of you know English. Well, that's that's your dad for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so enough of the news. Uh, so we'll hope to see you at Gen Con uh, and order Zombies of the World PDF and so, vote for it. Yeah, and vote for uh, Road Trip. Anyus-awards.com/slash/vote. Um, so cliches. What are we talking about there, Tom? Well, this came to me almost as a vision, really. Thinking back to my early days of playing D&D. Yeah. This would have been a D&D, of course. This was before 3rd Ed. Yeah. And second edition. Se- yeah. Second edition. Yeah. Fucking Thyco. Fucking th- God damn. Armor Just, class was better the lower it went. Negative 10 was the best. Anyways. I'd, up was every down. T- every t- everything, was, everything was upside down then. I know. And every time I think of Thyco, I just kind of have this violent, psychotic flashback. Yeah. But it was, I was thinking about one of the earliest games I played of it, which was in uh, high school. Yeah. My freshman year of high school. So okay. I was but, but a lad of 14. Okay. And I wasn't actually quite experienced enough in gaming to know at the time that this dungeon I was in was following all the cliches of the dungeon crawl. Right. And what I mean, and following them faithfully with no, like, with no difference. Yeah. And I don't know why I suddenly, my mind suddenly forced it back, hey, you know you did this when you were 14. I'm like, oh, mind, why did you tell me this? <laughs> but it got me to thinking, like, you know, yeah, it, it was almost like it was checking, doing a checklist. Like, all right, cliche. It's like, like, all right, there's uh, that one's there, the prisoner. Like, oh, like, oh, the paranoid search for traps. Check. <laughs> it's on down the list. And, of course, there, with no feeling, just it was almost... Yeah, this might as this might as well have been like a management seminar. Well, were you having fun? I mean, you you just said you'd never had. Well, that before. at the time I was because right. I was fourteen years old and right. an idiot. Right, the cliches fresh the first time. Yes, the, but yeah, there's of course, and there's a reason why they're cliches because they worked. They worked at one point. Uh huh. But now looking back at it, I realized if I was ever in a game like that now, I would have just walked out. Right. Or well, first I would have said, "Is this really what we're doing?" Yeah. You know, like, oh, up is down, black is white, 
And I was like, it's like, if you, if, like, if you don't, like, if you don't conquer your fears, my fears will conquer me. That's what you were going to say. Fear is right? the mind killer. Yeah. I see. So it was, got me thinking about that, and thank God I happened across you. Yeah. And some other people. Yeah. Most but you're the ones here, so yeah. you know, you're the actual one that's here, so I can say, Ross has taught me all about cliches and as how to avoid them, and it was great. Thank you, Ross, for that. I mean, I just do nothing but cliches. I mean, everything is so typical and average. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we pretty much show up, we show up here, it's like, let's say, it's like, it's like a management seminar. Yeah. That, you know, there's some stupid corporate video that shows yeah. what exactly what we're going to do, and yeah. we just do it. Yep. It's a team-building exercise. I know. We don't record that part of the, the actual play, but there, there's... It, it, your minds would explode. I know. There's PowerPoints and shit, man. It's, it's fucking, you know... Oh, we all wear suits. Yep. There's quarterly reports, TPS reports. Um, <laughs> Whatever the fuck those are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so... But that's why I thought of it, is, you know... I actually, looking back, is what I thought. There was probably a decent fun game in there. Right. That I could actually enjoy today. Right. Even using the same basic setup, but it's a sim- it's simply a matter of dealing with the clichés that were present. Right. And hence hence the the idea. So, there you have it. Okay. So, yeah, we talked about this uh before we started recording uh of, you know, what do you do with clichés? Um so we're going to focus on the clichés of dungeon crawling in particular and show you some ways to start thinking about cliches and role-playing game cliches in new and interesting ways. And if you're uh, a gamer, you know the cliches. Yeah, so we're just going to go over them briefly. Um, I think the first one is obviously the, the searching for traps. You know, like you're were, you were talking about that. You know, there's, oh, yeah. It's already it's such a cliche, it was uh, parodied in gamers. Uh, like, I'm sorry, as naturally as a master thief, I would be crawling on my hands and knees searching every square inch of the place for traps. Right. So the the question, and then of course it you know tons of dice rolling for what nothing. Pretty I mean, much, yeah. It's I, in fact, if I recall from that particular dungeon, there was there had to have been at least over a hundred rolls searching for traps. Like every single <laughs> tiny room was at least five different rolls because wow. we would well we would search first we would search the search the doorway. Yeah. Then we would search the you know search just inside the room. Then it would be in the center part of the room. Then it would be on whatever we were going to search for in the room. And then finally, when we uh, when we actually found what we were looking for, we had to search that a yeah. min- minimum of five per room. Wow! And we did this with every single room. And this wasn't and this just is... like rolling five dice in quick succession. It's roll one dice, wait for the GM to interpret it. Yeah. The GM describes what he does in very careful terms. Yes. You know, so that's like two minutes for each dice roll. So that's like and ten yeah, minutes. And the, the, but you know, the fuck of the thing was, I don't think the GM actually took the time to put traps anywhere. Yeah, I think I actually remember in that game. We, in over a hundred rolls for traps, we found two, 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 two. That's two percent. Yeah, two percent. And of course, they yeah. You want to get want to guess what kind of traps they were? Pit traps. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's just say that uh, if it's something you saw in Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, you would be correct. Was it a pit trap and a boulder trap? Uh, no, actually, it was a, it was a pit trap, and yeah. it was the arrows in the wall. Oh yeah, that was the other one. Yeah, um, wow. Actually, I think he really he was truly wanting to work in the uh, weight counterweight trap somehow, mm-hmm. but none of us really wanted to, uh, right? You know, try to like see how much the thing we're supposed to steal weighs. And now that, that's an interesting thing because you know in Indiana Jones it's a very fun, very intense moment of the movie. Yeah, it is. Like, 
But the question is, how do you make, how do you translate that into something that's just as fun and exciting in a gaming terms? Because in gaming terms, that's just a simple skill check. Usually, I mean, that that that's actually an idea for another episode. You know, at some point we should talk about like how do you translate ideas and make them just as fun from you know one medium to another. In that case, well, I'm not uh, sure off the top. of my And head. of course, and the, 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 I mean, what I remember also was for the arrow trap. Yeah. At no point did he say you also see little holes on the wall. Yeah, so he which, conveniently uh, mentioned. Yeah, which yeah, they only showed up after we had failed to notice the trap. Apparently, but you know, and we of course we were we were rolling you know to uh, it's like okay, we also I I don't know it wasn't spot hidden. I forget what it was in AD and D. It was well, the thief had a personal yeah. skill to detect traps. I mean, yeah, it wasn't, so our thief yeah. was doing that. AD and D had some pretty horrible game mechanics. I'm sorry, people, but it did. It, the, it, it the does. Retro fans, yeah. I, you know how much it pains me to agree with Ross. Save versus wand, save versus breath weapon. Really, you know all those different saves. Oh my god. Yeah, but no, of course the holes were never <laughs> there until they needed to be. Right. Um, all right. So the question is, you know, that's the cliche. How do you make that fun? So the endlessly searching traps. Now you had your way, which was to change a few details, right? Right. Like okay, like okay. One, yeah. You know, one of them was actually you know, one of the things I thought of was just have some traps. Have more tra- more than two percent. Yeah, actually, actually, and vary them. Yeah. But yeah, you, you you can have traps. Just don't make them obvious. Right. I mean, there's actually some really good uh, books out there, you know, RPG books that have really cleverish, uh, clever, devilish traps. Um, Grimtooth traps. Uh, pretty much all the Wizards of the Coast modules yeah. have some interesting traps in them. Uh, Paizo, obviously, Pathfinder has some good traps. You know, there's, there's. If you go through the material, there's tons of great traps just waiting for you to use. People already thought this yeah. stuff up. Yeah, kick the door and wait. Wait a minute. That is not traditional fire. You don't have to, yeah, exactly. You don't. That is not even <laughs> traditional fire. Um, that's a YouTube video. We'll have to. Uh, we'll link to it. Yeah. Um, in case you, you know, for, in case for uh, if you're interested in amnesia, the dark descent. Uh, but what we're trying to get at is, you know, there are a ton of there's there's a lot. This is something uh, again that we uh, I, I like advocating, which is not to reinvent the wheel. You know, don't do the work wheel that's works fine. Been, yeah, don't reinvent it. Don't just don't do work that's already redundant. There's tons of great material out there that will uh, save you a lot of time and effort. And a lot of these traps that are really cool, like Grimtooth traps, a lot of the best ones don't even have magic involved. They're just physics. They're just mm-hmm. traps based on clever engineering. So use that shit. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, yeah. going back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, that yeah. yeah, you're right. It's watching those traps. Just you, like you're like, oh my god, oh my god, right? Um, because again, you're not a veteran dungeon crawler or whatever, and you're like, it's really interesting the way it's presented. Yeah, like, it's like, like he has to walk around the tiles that would fire the arrows. Yeah, yeah. and of course, there's the uh, there's uh, oh, uh, I think it's Molina, the guy that played Doctor Octopus in the Spider-Man Two. Right, is the uh, guide. Right, watching it just the whole time, just like freaking the fuck out, like you are watching it yeah, for yeah, the yeah. first time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, my idea is to take that cliche and reverse it. Now, so how do you reverse having to spend endlessly searching for traps? Well, can I could I could I hazard a guess here? Yeah. Know where they are ahead of time. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, give the players some sort of in with the dungeon. Like, they find the trapsmith who designs them, or some secret book, or tome, or, or map that. Or, 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 or have some cool, you know, Mission Impossible scene. He says, he says, like, is anyone getting in here? We'll have, we'll have to pass a series of very dangerous traps. Exactly. In the entry, like in the entryway, there is a laser field. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, 
Now, the question is, of course, how do you make that? Well, if the players know where the traps are, how is that dangerous? Well, the idea then is design a dungeon that is dangerous and interesting, except it's not based on knowing where the traps are or not. It's how to get past them knowing that they're there. They're still really dangerous because, one, the dungeon will have occupants in there. And, two, those occupants will know about about the traps or they would have been killed already by the traps. Um, And are used to fighting around them. They're used to fighting not around them, with with them. So, uh, you know, again, some of the clever examples I've seen... um, for example, there's a, a druid trap where uh, there's a shambling, there's a monster called the Shambling Mountain in third yeah. edition that's, I believe, immune to lightning. So what you do is the druid would set up a lightning trap, a lightning ward trap that would just blast people with lightning, and the Shambling Mountain would just fucking attack them while they're dealing with the trap. So because yeah. so you're like, all right, there's a lightning trap. All right, go disarm that thief so we, the rest of us can get past him. Thief's like, all right, I'm gonna go up ahead and disarm. And, uh, it. No, no, God, there's something that's immune to critical hits. Yeah, and, and lightning sneak attack and lightning. Yeah, so like the thief screwed, so you have to rush in and fight the thing. But then you have the lightning, and then you have the lightning. So it doesn't matter that they know it's there. They're still, you know, have a tough challenge to get past. Well, it, it would make, and also you could use that to make it's a normal monster fight much more interesting. Right. So you know. Or imagine, yeah. like, a tactical... Like, I can imagine... Like, I think we've actually done this, like, a tactical fight with the map out with, you know, where, like, there are... Actually, I, th- I, I think... I forget what, what game it was, but I, th- I think it was you running it. Yeah. Actually, it was a, it was a weight-sensitive pit trap mm-hmm. that was designed to go off with a certain amount of weight, but we were fighting, I think, kobolds. So it was not... The trap would not open for someone as light as a kobold. Right. But would for someone as heavy as... A, yeah, one, yeah, one, yeah. one of the player races. I want to say that's a new world campaign or the Thieves Guild. Uh, but, but I'm not but sure. I remember that is because we had to like because you know, now in the tactical map we have to watch where we're walking. Yeah. And uh, you also, I mean, other never clever thing I do remember. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't the New World. This okay. was one of the. This was back in just normal 3.0. Oh, uh, okay. But I I remember also that. Um, uh, sort of. Oh, I I forget what I, I forget what I was going to say. But all but what I I'll just keep going on is yeah. <laughs> and also, and you had to kind of you. Oh, I never remember. You kind of had it where you. You, if you watched where the kobolds were moving, yeah. you could see them trying. You could actually, if you're watching it, catch them where they were trying to lure you to attack them. Yeah, as a, you know, like you know, like fire, you know, firing a very little, t- a very small air, bow and arrow at you. Yeah, trying to get you to come into melee range with them. Charge me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah, so there you go. You take the, the boring cliche and you reverse it, uh, and thus you have something new and awesome. And the players will be like, and good God, a boulder trap in the middle of a fight. Just, yeah, if that's if well, you don't find that awesome, you're I something just think, wrong. Uh, I think the players are going to be blown away just the fact we know where all the traps are. What? What, Which, what madness is this? Now, of course, with us, if you did that, we would, of course, go, fuck, what's he going to do? <laughs> whenever, so, you, like, whenever you do us a favor, quote-unquote, <laughs> we're like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember that running uh, the Night Shift game. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, it's like, take what, get whatever guns you want. Like, cool, can I get, like, an M4 carbine with an M203 clipped on? Like, yeah, cool. Shit! <laughs> Every, you get everyone at the same moment. Ah, oh, damn it! Yep. This wait. This is Delta. This is Call of Cthulhu. Uh, Why do we get all these guns? Yeah. What are we going to be needing? And Why are we in them all with yeah. all these weapons? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, so, so let me ask. I, I just have to ask. Off, out of subject, just one second. Yeah. So if I would have requested something ridiculous, mm-hmm. like a, uh, like, you know, like this, like the, the quad, you know, the quad rocket launcher pack, mm-hmm. the, would you have said yes? 
If it was an actual real weapon. Yeah, like, it is. Like, okay. Well, remember, then, yeah. remember the movie Commando? Well, again, it's Commando. I don't know. Well, the weapons were at least real. But remember when she sta- the stewardess stands up in her car? Yeah, yeah. With the... Yeah. That's, I, I, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I know what it is. I just didn't think it was an actual like, weapon. Okay. That was something they just made up for the movie. No, it's actually real. Because, you know, man-portable miniguns aren't a real thing, Tom. No, I know that. Because the recoil would just... Ross. Be, and Ross, also Ross, the ammo. I know. Okay. Um, sorry, Jesse Ventura, you couldn't carry that much ammo for a minigun, because it's a minigun. Anyways, um, <laughs> so next on our uh, list would be The Prisoner, you know, another cliche, um, is The Prisoner, now, usually the cliche is one of three ways. One, he's weak, wounded, dying, whatever, and so when you find him, he gives you a cryptic bit, uh, mess, uh, information, and then he dies. Or, or like, or you're, you have good players, alright, so like, I'll be carrying him out on my back the whole time. Right, trying right. to keep him alive because right. that's the good thing to do. Uh, the next one is that he's next to is that it's actually an ambush of some shape shifting monster like a mimic or a doppelganger, Roxasha, uh, or Roxasha, yeah, some sort of uh, a deception. Uh, or the third one is that he's evil, uh, it's not an illusion, but he's just evil and untrustworthy and goes to betray the character somewhere. He just has I will betray you written on his forehead, might, might as well, goatee and all. So, yeah, you're doing, you're doing the you know. <laughs> Hand thing. Well, I mean, once you uncuff him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, he's like, could you uncuff me? I really want to do the evil hand thing. Right. So the question is, uh, how do you make? How do you shake this shit up? Yeah. So um, one of the ideas I I had was just a red herring where he says something, but it's totally useless. You know, he's either legitimately crazy or more likely just like a peasant who doesn't know anything. It's like, 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 what can you tell us? Uh, I can grain mill, or, or is it, or if he's something, or grain. if he actually, if he has slightly more brain cells, realize yeah. you might not let him go if you don't have something they want. Just, yeah, yeah. Th- there's a there's a big door ahead, and you need three keys. Yeah, and I know where the three keys are. Yeah, exactly. If you'll just let me go. Yeah, exactly. So he sends them on a wild goose chase just to survive. Um, so that that would be interesting. Uh, the other thing, of course, you you came up with the idea. Yeah, it's like he doesn't want to leave. Right. So yeah, you know, like, this now this could happen. I think a number of ways. Like that's uh, something mean, I think you did. You did do this in the New World. Yeah. It's like you know, it's a guy that's down with vampires. He's on the verge of becoming one himself. Right. And wants to be there. Like right. no, no, I'm no fucking. I'm. It's like, dude, it's it's the third night. I die this night. I come back. You are not fucking my plans up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, another related thing I, I could think of would be religion. Like, I'm chosen to be the sacrifice. I'm going to save my village from the demon god. You know, uh, I, like, I don't I, I, want like, to, but unless you can kill a demon god, I, I, I need but you to see, die. to save my people, I have to have my heart cut out and then be able to kiss it before I die. <laughs> like, and by God, my lips are going to touch my own still beating heart. Yeah. Like, and I will fight you if you try to stop me from doing that. Exactly. Um, other reasons would be he's. And of course, knowing out. Ross, this, he'll be like, I'm also a 20th level fighter. I wouldn't do that. Yes, you would. <laughs> Ross, well, you so... You are a monster. You would. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. You would. Um, so, yeah. So, the, so there, you come up with the reason why he'd want to stay. And then either possibly fight the characters or mislead them. Or even... No, maybe he does help them. Maybe there's... Uh, he could be hiding out and just doesn't want the, wants the players to leave. So, that that's a complication. Um, and then, finally, uh, the third one would be he's actually useful. I mean, a prisoner that actually turns out to be... That he is a 20th level fighter. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll join you. Give me a sword. I'll, I'll fuck this shit up. You know, I'll, I'll fuck like, can you use one of these? Like, fuck yeah. yeah. Let's go kill some shit. So, um... It's like, hell, I'm like, I'm a paladin. You can even have, you can even have all the treasure. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, which, which I'm mean? a monk with a vow of poverty. I don't need anything. I'll just... <laughs> I don't even know why I was a prisoner. I should have easily broken out of here and uh, gotten vengeance. So like, no, like, it was a test to see if you worthy heroes were worthy of my training and presence. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I know you, Ross. You've trained me well. Yes. So, uh, another thing would be, you know... Um, finally, of course, it would be that the... Uh, uh, you're talking then, of course, the next cliche would be treasure. Uh, treasure is obviously. Well, why else do you go into a dungeon? Right. Uh, to do good? Fuck that. Yeah. Saving the world. Like princesses in another castle. Like, next person that says that to me is going to get killed. Right, exactly. Um, you, you know, I don't even. I don't think we've had many princess rescues in our games or even any. Well, we had, we've had rescues, not princess rescues. Right, right. So. We've, we've had, you know, usually it's rescuing people that we really don't want like. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a theme. We tend to rescue people that we don't personally really like, but Aww. it is necessary for our plans to have this person alive. Poor Tom. And we all look at you with the same look <laughs> as you just sit there behind your game master screen, just you know, st- your fingers steeple, just glaring at us, smiling. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. It was the same look you had when you had that undead plant thing trash-talking us. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And we loved it so much that, no, yeah. all right, damn it, Ross, you're cool. <laughs> uh, I think that was episode 42, 41 uh, of the campaign. No, 39, I believe, of the campaign. Um, yeah, by the way, our New World campaign ended, and it was 144 hours. So if you love D&D, listen to the whole thing. If, and you, we don't, re- if you don't love it, if you know someone that hates D&D. And we didn't even mention that we released the Ruins of Lemuria PDF, the fourth in the New World campaign. Well, uh, that son of a bitch is out. Yeah. It's out, so uh, download it to your heart's content. Yeah, download or read it, comment on it, send it to your friends. Draw crude pictures on it. Well, it's a PDF. You you could you could print it out and draw multiple copies with multiple weird crude pictures. Yeah, you could. You could. I can't stop you from doing that. This is America, damn it. It is. It is. Um, Yeah. So, uh, uh, of course, the, the, the one thing about treasure, you know, they expect gold or whatever. So the treasure, going back to the previous cliche, could be the prisoner. Now, of course, that, that may be the cliche, the pr- princess that needs to be rescued. But um, this could also be the, uh, you know, the, like the a son, merch- of a son of a local merchant right. lord. Or it could be someone who, or the merchant lord himself, who would be willing to hand over a deed to land or something yeah, like that. Or bro, just has valuable information. Like, what do you like? like? Yeah, like, what do you have for it? Like, he's like, what can you do for us? I have a diamond the size of my head I will give to you if you get me out of you here. You know, one, one idea would be to, as an increased challenge, is to make the prisoner a bounty. And the monsters took him, you know, for the bounty, but the players can then redeem the bounty. But then they have a surly prisoner who's probably very dangerous because there's a sizable bounty on his head. So, uh, that, that it's like, is, so you're saying that, like, so this guy killed 47 people over a period of three weeks? Yeah. Like, and he's not an adventurer? He didn't loot their bodies? He must be crazy. We yeah, must, must, he must be crazy. He must have, he must have ambushed peasants. The, oh, he killed militia men. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. and it, and you, and we are the fourth team you've hired to go after him. <laughs> the other which the others have, which have come back with just their pinky fingers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. I, I like this plan. Yeah. I'm a big supporter of it. I, let's I let's do it. Things. Um. Oh, of course, another thing would be the bounty of someone who's ideologically charge you know a political bounty you know like oh he's the 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 true heir to the throne and the players can either support him or uh turn him into the evil you know duke to get a big reward 
um, or neutral, like they don't want to get involved in politics. Like the the heir to the throne is neutral. You know, make it more of a game. Uh, um, Game of Thrones kind of thing where everyone's kind of shady and yeah. morally ambiguous and there's lots of sexiness and violence. And uh, Thank you, HBO. Yeah, basically. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we do shout out that show, but I assume everybody in our podcast has heard it yeah. or, or, listened, or watched it already because, you know. I'm not going to do a shout out, but I also purchased the first season of Rome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Anyways. Uh, but of course, the- I think when it comes to treasure, really. I think there's like I think the one that most people, even those that don't really play D and D, think about when you hear a treasure in a dungeon. Yeah, it's usually a big, the big pile of gold or whatever with the dragon on it. Yeah, usually sleeping on it, and you have to, and is a very very light sleeper. Right. So the the question is becomes stealth or trying to fight the dragon. Now, so the again, how do you take this cliche and make it interesting to make it you know new to the players? Well, yeah, I think you had the first idea. Yeah, uh, which is obviously he's a deep sleeper, um, which means you can take everything and it's no problem. In fact, uh, as long as you don't attack and, him, he won't it, wake up. It's like yeah, you know, in fact, like like uh, we're, like we need the gold under him. Just like here, lift up his leg. There we go. Come yeah. on. So the players are what would, would be really great about this is you players do this at first. They're suspicious. They're like. What's the catch? And you don't tell them. And then uh, then they get like, oh, my God, free gold. Ah, let's take it. And then you wait like three sessions before you like the dragon does finally wake up, figures out what happens, and then teleports to the Which player. Which would be character. a great scene. Just yeah, imagine like, the dragon like, oh, oh no fucking way. <laughs> I am going to kill so many people for this. So the players are like three sessions in, they've already spent all the gold, and then they're like, oh, fuck. And they're like, why didn't you tell us this what happens? Like, what? I can't give you, you know, uh, let, you know, give them enough rope to hang themselves, in other words. Like, and, you, uh, you wouldn't even have to have that. Just imagine this, the dragon shows up at the local kingdom, like, yeah, hi. I don't know who did it. Yeah. I, know it I know they came from here. Yeah. It's like so. Uh, here's the deal. You're gonna find out who like who took my shit, get it all back. You have a month to do it. Otherwise, I'm gonna come here and raise this whole fucker fucker to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Then the players have the choice of either uh, trying to get all the gold that they spent back or uh, getting the hell out of this kingdom before they get caught. Then of course they're gonna have the death of a whole kingdom on their hands. Exactly. So uh, yeah. So great, great stuff. So um, now the second idea I, I had also was. Um, Taking, like, you know, the the idea is that the dragon wants to sleep on his hoard. He's psychologically obsessed with it. He's addicted to it. He needs his gold. He, his magic is derived from the gold, blah, 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 it's blah. Like, it's like Requiem for a Dream with gold. Right. So the my idea is to say, what if that... Dr- that gold is what's keeping him at bay, keeping him contained. Uh, that's what he it is imprisoning him. Um, and so the players, once they take all the gold, then he wakes up and then attacks them. So that's sort of a modification on the deep slumber thing. Because then you realize, oh, we've just awoken a giant-ass evil red dragon. And shit's going to go down. Let's, yeah. So that that was Yeah, I had another one, of course, kind of along the lines of that little, that little scenario I just threw out. But yeah. I got someone like a dragon... Wants a horde and hires you to get him one. Yeah, and you know, because you know, you, he couldn't offer them gold because so you're having us to go get gold for you and bring it to you, and you will pay us in gold. Yeah, you're a, there's a middleman in here. If you yeah. know if you see that, but 
It could be you, know, you have the dragon like, no, you know, no. I will offer you something way better than gold. Right. Like you know, some awesome epic artifact or something. Right. I mean, he is a dragon. He could just, you know, shear off some of dragon. Him, parts yeah. of himself. Right. Or, of course, as a dragon, you might you could set it up like an Ocean's Eleven thing where it's like a heist. And he's like, I know where there's a big score, but I need help. I need mortal help. And as yeah, the as dragon you, accompanies them in human form. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. So you have Ocean's Eleven, but your boss is a dragon. So And... Suddenly, the uh, urge to suddenly the risk of failure seems so much greater. Yeah, because you're it's because it, because it's not uh, yeah it's not some casino owner who's going to be after you if you don't get it. It's a dragon, and they yeah. tend to fuck shit up. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So um, these these are obviously just a few of the small cliche of the many thousands of cliches that are out there in table. Yeah, but we haven't even gone into like modern, modern or, or, or whatever else. Um, you know, in actually uh, my seminar for zombies at Gen Con, I will be talking about cliches of zombies and how to reverse them and how to bring breathe new life in them, yeah. so to speak. Well, like so. Call of Cthulhu, like, or like yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard it's like you're staring at something that can't be described. Would you try? Yeah, please. Yeah. So, um, I, I understand that you're trying to describe something beyond time and space, but you kind of have to actually try. Right. Right. True. True. So what are you going to do? Uh, no, I'll say that you, you do a good job at that. Well, I try to, again, focus on more oh, it, physiological things. Yeah, physiological like, and you, see, you catch you know, glimpses of this and uh, you know, eyes and teeth. and Right. Well, the way I, again, the way I see it is that the characters perceiving that monsters are now full of fear and adrenaline. So they're going to have a very blurry, distorted view of the monster at best. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, I think that gives you guys a little idea about cliches. If you have any comments about what kind of cliches you'd like to see reversed or we'll do, challenged, like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll email talk us. About, we'll, we'll talk about or this. Or post comments on, Hell, like, the, on yeah, the site. Like, e- Whatever yeah. email, email us, we'll do the same thing for our, on our pre-Gen Con episode. Sure. Yeah, we'll do another episode pretty soon. We just did this episode really because of the innies. Thank you, innies. Um, it encouraged Ross so much. It encouraged me to come up with a topic for the first time I in a know. long time. I know. Congratulations. Although, not a letter. Uh, but we have something well, better the, than the letter. Well, so. the thing is, yeah, we right now we still have like like how can I write a letter when we have more of what yeah. we're about to read? Yeah, we'll read another excerpt from uh, Derek McCla- uh, uh, McLean's and Sartone's uh, RPG dot net review of Fatal. So uh, uh, yeah, and then of course we'll have shoutouts and anecdotes and all that other good stuff. It'll so. be so awesome. Yeah, you so. don't even know what to do with it all. I know. In our previous excerpt, we uh, uh, began talking about Fatal and how fucked up it is. So, uh, oh, and did I forget to mention that this fucking thing is 900 pages long? Fatal is 900 pages long. This is why I summoned help from Jason Sarton people. Which will be played by me. Which will be played by Tom. I'm playing the other guy. Yeah, thanks. Now watch. By the end, I'll probably have to summon someone else to help me. We'll have Justin Bacon or Scott Lynch or Alyssa Carey or some other poor bastard down here to write the closing paragraph and talk to me out of climbing out a tower and shooting random basement dwellers, dwelling losers. Hmm, killing potential fatalites. Oh, and one other thing that has changed since our first go-around is that I probably wouldn't request Scott Lynch's assistance. See, he has since become a published fantasy author, and while that doesn't necessarily raise him above the rest of us mere mortals, I'm happy for him. 
Back on point, it wouldn't be right to interrupt his efforts to inject some desperately needed non-suckage into the fantasy genre just to deal with all this stupidity. But yeah, it's 900 pages long, and you can hardly turn one page without seeing something that's desperately stupid or sucking or screaming, Look how cool and historically accurate and huge dicked I am! Because I'm terrified you won't notice. You can see the bind we're in. This is from the second page. For instance, assume you're an adventuring knight who has just fought his way to the top of a dark tower and you find a comely young maiden chained to the wall. Some may choose to free the whimpering winch. Some may others free her to uh, hoping to win her heart instead of seeking affection. Some may talk to her to see if they can collect a reward for her safe return. Then again, others may be bored in negotiating freedom for fellatio. (laughs) Some people may think she has no room to bargain and take their fleshly pleasure by force. Others would rather kill her, dismember her young cadaver, and feast on her warm innards. This is stuff... I did not write this. That was fatal, by the way. This is... Oh, my God. So, basically, fatal is the date rape RPG. It's also the cockfruit attacking turret and, of course, gay butt-fucking ogre RPG, but one thing at a time. It's like... It's like an express train full of things designed to hurt your mind. Just when you think that it's finished running you over, that last train car of stupid starts receding into the distance. Another one hits you. Grinding another chunk of brain cells beneath its wheels, and no rules for dating are not, and no, and no rules for dating are not included. Rape? Yes, that's. There's not really a whole lot of ways I can get around this. Fatal as a whole is your chance to stop being the good guy, start being the soulless rapist that you and your <laughs> tiny clique of brain dead morons knew they could be. You can come home from a long day of being shunned by anybody with a soul, wipe the pepper spray from your eyes, <laughs> scuttle down into the cold concrete of the basement, and engage in what amounts to a verbal circle jerk with a cl- clique of people just as terribly broken as you are. I'll cut in here to say that while being a brain-dead rapist is an important part of the fatal experience, there are two further aspects that make it the visible form, visible from space pile of festering assosity that it is. One, juvenile ideas that even the Sengar guys would Senzar. Senzar guys wouldn't have been too embarrassed to touch. You know, like magical fumbles that cause clones to spawn from your cock or make you shit constantly or make you start anal fisting your target while trying to bite your ear or make you recite stupid lines that were probably ripped off from some metal songs every time you cast a spell. Or magical ingredients like vaginal yeast or the cunt pipe of an elderly virgin. Oh my god. Two, rules so mind-bogglingly stupid and complicated that you'd beg for a no-holds-barred Rift Cinnabar crossover instead. No, this can overlap with the juvenile ideas, like like with how likely you are to a critical hit someone's clitoris, or the magical fumble that makes your nutsacks fall to 10d 1,000 inches, we can, we can only presume it's not labeled, for the next 3d 3 days. But like I said, one thing at a time. While we're still on the second page, by the way, check out that first sentence. Welcome to a fantasy medieval role-playing game that focuses on realism and detail whenever possible without sacrificing fun. Emphasis mine. Later, when you've seen Hall's idea of realism and detail without sacrificing fun, you'll be invited to laugh bitterly with me. You know, it occurs to me that most games of Fatal are probably played with only one hand. Says, ow, 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 fuck my brain, ow. Remind me not to go down that path again. Not so fast. You forgot to picture them being the only gamers who have to, have to wipe off their dice when they're done. I bet nothing but nothing will jinx your dice faster than leaving someone's semen on them. Hell, when it happens, the Fatalites probably laugh and shout, a la Sormon, you will taste man juice. 
Stop putting images in my head that I can't get out later except with a bullet. Uh, so here's the thing. Vampire is a game that can almost be classified as a date rape game. You're a vampire. A mythic creature has been sexualized for, by about 300 years worth of literature into a romantic creature. Yet And yet, as a vampire, you're stealing part of people's bodies without their permission every single night. You're eventually going to kill one of them who, when you get a little too hungry one night. You don't necessarily want to, but you need to eat. And you know why Vampire is the superior game by far? Because the game forces you to find out what you'll do to survive. If you have to drink someone else's blood in order to live another night, will you do it? Will you drain some bum on the street or stalk somebody for three hours and take only enough to survive? Or will you subsist on dogs and cats? Every time you stab somebody in the throat with your fangs, drink the blood, even if you're not thinking about it in the game, you're essentially risking somebody else's life for your own. You can say that that you're a vampire, you have to do that, but nothing's stopping you from seeing the next sunrise except your own sense of self-preservation, even though you're already dead. Yes, you are playing a vampire in an RPG, but you can still kill yourself in the game and make it a valid in-character choice. Hate to cut into Darren's pathos, but the thing I remember most from Vampire the Masquerade was how you can chainsaw wax someone with eight successes and still barely hurt them. Fucking dice pools. Oh, hush. But yes, sadly, even in this area, Vampire is way superior to Fatal. Let's see. Yeah, it's in the background, but it's there. You have to make the decision in Vampire. It's an adult decision. Do I kill to live? In Fatal, it's date rape and killing and cadavers are all cool. Yeah! Thank you for showing me the way. Spray paint huffing and social retardation. Also, misogyny. We forgot to thank misogyny. (laughs) Uh, Maybe there's some subculture that's into this. Judging from the fatal theme song, which sounds like the cookie monster chasing a drum kit being pushed down a flight of stairs. Flight of stairs. Um, I guess that uh, thrash metal or speed metal or metal metal or whatever the fuck they call it is nowadays. Incidentally, the fatal theme sucked enough to make Darren beg me to kill him. If for some reason you aren't interested in suicide, I would recommend not, not listening to it. Hell, I would recommend not paying attention to Fatal at all, but here you still are. You've got problems, people. See, even the most extreme of this stuff, say Cannibal Corp, Cannibal Corpse is designed to take a stage persona, say, screw you world for a few hours, and then being regular people again. It's born out of showmanship like an extreme form of professional professional wrestling, sans the body slams. Fatal isn't a piece of showmanship. It's one of the diaries from Seven, a document pretending that's perfectly normal and healthy and winds up painting its authors as terribly, terribly maladjusted. During the Fatal Flame Wars, Hall really did have that that psychotically calm John Doe demeanor in his posts. It might actually have been impressive, but any chance for that went out the window when he never defended any of his bullshit arguments or claims when McClanahan, Patrick Chipman, and everyone else started questioning him. Well, and when I couldn't help picturing him in a lavender bunny suit as he typed. Okay, no, that's not originally what I was picturing him doing, but it's a sanity-preserving substitute. And now I'm on the second page. If you want another good example of how the game's authors seem desperately to lie to themselves, and by extension the reader, you can check out their claims that they're not really sexually deviant. They're just including it for the purposes of completeness. Uh, For example, the information in this game does not represent the real world views of uh, Fatal Games, nor nor does it extreme violence or extreme sex condoned by Fatal Games. Instead, the information is included for completeness. And this weak bullshit might fly if it weren't for the fact that they, they're openly drooling the possibility uh, of people extorting sexual favors and or raping a helpless woman not one page before. This is declaring that you did not kill that man one minute after killing that man. <laughs> 
That and it's a tricks its statement anyway. Remember that fatal fatalites lack the necessary balls to even approach women in real life. Their supposed non-endorsement of rape violence stems from cowardice, not hey, it's just a game. But hey, if you don't want to play dirty by personally attacking the fatalites, just consider this. Okay, they don't condone rape, misogyny, and 500-foot nutsacks. They're just really proud that the overwhelming focus Fatal puts on rape, misogyny, and 500-foot nutsacks makes it so much more realistic and historically, mythically accurate than every other RPG available. Doesn't really work, does it? Or, even better, for instance, the detail of violence may exceed that of other role-playing games, as crucial damage may explicitly explore the destruction of many body parts (laughs) and internal organs. Except that that's what the guys at Fatal know about medical science and or the human body is so small as to actually suck away from the collected body of medical knowledge. There are entire anatomy texts that are now blank because the knowledge has been drained away to fill the terrible wound that Fatal made. Those of you who are upset that Hall took a giant piss on anatomical science can take heart in knowing that he also soaked everything that's ever been written about art, medieval history, and RPG design while he was at it. Meanwhile, Testosticles forbid that just fucking describing an injury isn't any better than Fatal's lame-ass crucial damage charts. I mean, really. Uh, uh, For example, number two, uh, 2% belly button. Opponent's belly is hacked, though no critical organs behind it. The small intestine may 70% 70 chance spill forth. If it does, the sight of this causes the opponent to need to pass a health check at TH50 or be stunned for 2d4 rounds. Yeah, having your small intestines spill forth sure can be distracting. And yes, any it's just a flesh wound jokes you want to make here are entirely appropriate. It's not a life-threatening critical. <laughs> uh, it's still, yeah. Further, role-playing situations that uh, accurately represent mythology are likely at some point to include rape, molestation, or encounters in brothels or possibly situations that deviate more from societal norms. Enjoy this first mention of, well, it's because it's historical and we're not in trouble. As much in life, the authors of Fatal use history and mythology as they use any other source. Go through it for the dirty parts, ignore everything else, and claim you're entirely accurate. And while there are myths that deal with rape, most of them Greek, Molestation brothels visits giving birth to a clone through your cock doesn't appear in any of them. Nice try, though. Uh, a way too thorough, uh, and now a way too thorough breakdown of the creative process. This would be a good place to rag on the 1,000 hours of research that the Fatalites are ever so quick to bleat that Hall did when he shat, shat out Fatal. While many of you have been understandably skeptical of this figure, I can easily see it. In fact, going from Fatal's end product, Hall's research probably went something like this. 20 hours, playing AD&D and thinking, I could do so much better than this. 0.4 hours, hitting head on a toilet and becoming absolutely sure of this. That's uh, That's 24 minutes of hitting your head on the toilet. This is not a mathematical error. 2 hours, being rejected by fuckable women. If you're willing to expand the the definition of fuckable to include the words within 4 drinks, then the final research total can be considered well over 1,000 hours. 25 hours, huffing paint and listening to death metal. Point two hours, composing the fatal theme while still disoriented from paint huffing. <laughs> 20 hours, thumbing through every medieval history book that has the word pro- prostitute. <laughs> Five hours, accidentally flipping through Roman or biblical history books and either A, mistaking them for medieval history books, or B, failing to realize that, that as human society ver- very drastically over the course of history, writing fatal in a way that portrays society being pretty much the same everywhere all the time and calling it historically accurate is a bad move. 
And point four hours, mistaking a policewoman for a prostitute. <laughs> Ten hours, uh, flipping through anatomy and medical decks while drunk. Yeah, I think you could make a hell check to survive if your sternum <laughs> was driven into your heart. Way cool. Two hours, repairing punctures in sex pot Annie. <laughs> Five hours, flipping through kid mythology books and watching Hercules, <laughs> A Legendary Journeys, and realizing that with the help of a, long, a large skull-shaped bog, that Zeus and Odin must have been total ass pants. <laughs> and they just left that part out. And mythological means just whatever the fuck you want to make up. Ten hours, reading up on non-cognitivism, and uh, either theory, and physiognomy. Physiognomy, uh, which is, of course, you know, detecting, figuring out people's... Physiognomy. Physiognomy, yes. Um, which, uh, an aside, that's reading the bump... No, that's phrenology. What's, that's phrenology. Yeah. For, um, sorry. Without realizing they're not exactly respected ideas anymore. And then 900 hours, circle jerking with tour and burnout and psychotic uh, misogynor of death. Um I did not personally witness any of this, of course, but it's the combination of events that would most plausibly result in fatal. By the way, did I mention the book is 900 pages long? Because I'm going to be bringing it up as the review progresses a lot, because you bastards owe me, and you still do. Yeah, what he said. I never thought I'd, actually, I'd see actually wanting to play Imagine or Palladium, but now that I've gone through fatal, damn if I can't even remember what sucks so much about them. Ah, uh, fuck owing, gentle readers. I'm coming for your young. What makes Fatal especially fun is the droning, obsessive tone of its rules section. For example, finally, observe that when the sub-abilities and abilities are determined initially for a character, the abilities are determined by, for young adults. After the sub-abilities are described and the tables presented, the aging effects are illustrated, which must be referenced throughout the character's life. The last chapters just detail how two abilities, physical fitness and strength, may be increased through persistent exercise and... Also, an alternate rolling method is presented. There's that not English again, where when you rewrite it for review, you find yourself restructuring the way that you speak English. Sure, you may have been able to write and or speak it before, but then you read something like this, and you find yourself taking sentences out into the shed at midnight, butchering them, burying parts of them in your backyard, and redistributing what's left over the original document as a warning to, uh, to any other proper use of the language in the book. On the bright side, Fatal is arguably not as mind-numbingly written as Aria or Multiverser. On the you-haven't-been-huffing-butane side, that, that's much like saying, okay, so I slid naked down a giant greased razor blade, but at least I'm not the guy who was thrown into a vat of fire ants. In both cases, either outcome is totally stupid and painful, and the party responsible should be gang-beaten with cattle prods till the god of bitch-loving finally comes down and says, all right, I think he's had enough. Except that in this mo in the most obnoxious cases case of all of all these, the god would suddenly add, "Oh wait, this was for writing fatal, wasn't it? Here, let me recharge those for you." <laughs> yes, I'm actually saying that writing fatal is more worthy of a caliprod beating than some throwing someone into a vat of fire ants. See, try this. These abilities only represent your characters at the start of your life, so they will change as he ages. Charts for this are elsewhere. Later on, while detail, you can increase your strength and physical fitness, as well as an alternate method of rolling dice. Also, since you're reading Fatal, you should be uh, aware that this game sucks. See? English. Is that so hard? Needless to say, there aren't many editors, copy editors, proofreaders, or non-retards in Fatal's credits. I'm not convinced there, there are any human beings either, but we won't get into that. Instead, I'd rather take this important this moment to rant that this is a great example of why editors are really damned important if you're writing an RPG. They're not just good for correcting typos, but making sure your writing technique does not end up sucking all that all that is ass. 
If you're not the best writer in the history of the universe, don't end up like Fatal. Get those editors. So check this, out. check this out. There's five primary stats, right? But in a nod towards the residents of insane asylums who smear their wall with their own feces, each stat has four substats which determine vital, important information, like, say, enunciation or kinetic beauty. Uh, so you actually have a stat that determines how well you can speak and how pretty it looks when you move. <laughs> Would this be a bad place to mention that you have to randomly roll all 20 sub-abilities? And the roll is 4d100. Have it and, sub- and subtract 1. <laughs> then you go back and calculate each primary ability by averaging all four of its sub-abilities. Which is really cool when you consider that primary abilities are rarely, if ever, used by the rules. Which, in a revision, he up to 10d100 divided by 5 minus 1. So he fixed that up real nice. <laughs> what? Ah! The best line of the review. So basically, saying that this game should be burned is an insult to fire. You can go now if you want. You've just read the best line of the review. And with that, we conclude another excerpt from Fatal. There, a review of Fatal. We shall continue more later. Possibly. And we're back. How's your brains, people? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll. Uh, I don't think our, our listeners will be able to stand any any. Well, in, in your in your comments, if you want us to continue, we will. Or if you want Tom's letters to come back. So I know a lot of you love those. So uh, we'll see if. But no, 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 this. I think people, you got to inspire Tom. You know. I know people needed to hear that. Yeah, well, they did. They need to. They need to. Tom needs to hear. Yes, from Ross, you. we got it. Thank if you. They, you. Thank you, Ross. Moving on. With you, Moving right? on. <laughs> peace be with. Peace be with you. Now move he on. He was too lazy to write a letter. I have things going on. I know. I know. I work. <laughs> All right. Yes. So we're gonna do uh, shoutouts first. Um, first, I would like to mention some that are from the RPPR community. You know, we have a very uh, uh, active uh, community on our message boards and. Uh, one of our users, uh, Harold uh, Gold, I believe, uh, is the username. Um, anyways, he used to be an employee at BioWare. And he set out and started his own company to do um, iOS games, you know, iPhone, iPad, yeah. um, iPod games. And he is underway of making, he's just released the first trailer for his game called Emissary of War, which is an RPG where apparently the main gimmick is that it has a plot and story and deci- story decisions. So, Get the fuck out. I know. Like, the average thing has been, like, Infinity Blade and, you know, very, very simple, very grindy games. But apparently this, this uh, I've seen the trailer. We'll put a link to the trailer uh, and the website. So um, take a look. Uh, I, I, I have an uh, iPhone Touch. Um, or not, not uh, iPod Touch. And so I might get it. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. So, who knows? Um, next up is another forum user who uh, is a teacher, college teacher up in uh, uh, Wisconsin, and he has done a very interesting thing. He's written an interact uh, a, a collaborative post-apocalyptic dystopian novel called Calpus uh, on a wiki forum using his students. His students all contributed to this this fictional setting. Uh, where they all wrote characters and items and locations and things like that. And they all put it on this wiki. Um, so it's got a lot of really interesting little tidbits. And it, it, so it's a hypertext novel. 
Um, you know, you click it, you don't read it as a strict linear thing. Um, I've just started it. I, I've, you know, a lot to absorb. Um, there's 20,000 words at least so nice. far. So uh, if you like apocalyptic dystopian stuff, and you should. I mean, you know. God. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you should you should check that out. So, um, Tom, you you had some. Or... Yep. Uh, first one I have an internet vidya. Yeah. It's actually it's simply just called uh, Re Old Spice. Yeah. It's essentially uh, Cthulhu doing a parody of the Old Spice commercials. Yes. And uh, that's really all that really needs to be sa- said about it. It's animated. It's animated and Cthulhu with six pack abs. Yeah. So. Which I, which is not true. He was mountainous and. Flabby. Flabby. Flabby claws. Are you going to try to tell him that he needs to lose a few? No, I'm not. You're going to be too busy screaming. Yeah. I'll be dead. Yeah. Eaten. Uh, probably. Um, when, uh, speaking of Cthulhu, I would like to mention Cthulhu Saves the World. It's, uh, I know we probably mentioned before in the podcast, it's a small RPG set in the style of uh, the old Final Fantasy Games on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, you know, you had the little fight menu, that that kind of thing. But the basic premise of the game is it's now available for the PC on Steam. So uh, it's only like two and a half bucks. So, you know, get it. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's two and a half bucks. I put a few hours into it, and the basic plot is that uh, a powerful priest puts a curse on Cthulhu, uh, causing him to lose most of his power. So he can't, you know, destroy the world. He can't do what he wants to do. So the only way he can break the curse is if he becomes a true hero. So he gathers up a band of unlikely misfits to be, prove that he's a true hero. So he can destroy the world. Right. But he has to save it first. So. Well, yeah. Um, I've, I've only got a few hours into it. I've already fought Nyla Lothotep as a boss. Um, yeah, that was fun. Um, and yeah, it's kind of fourth wall-y. It breaks the, the fourth wall quite a bit. There's a lot of meta humor in it. And um, it's a fun, quick little RPG. There's no grinding really involved. I just plow through it as fast as I can, and I've never had to stop and level up excessively or whatever, so right. um, you heal completely at the end of each fight. Your magic points don't renew, though, so you, you have to watch how often you cast spells or whatever, but yeah, it's a really fun game. Nice. So, um, uh, let's see here. You had an... Yep, I, my next two yeah. are actually DVD box sets. Yeah. From the History Channel, both of them. Mm-hmm. The first one is The Presidents. Mm-hmm. It's this thing they did this, earlier, I think it was Late last year, or maybe early this year. Yeah. It was uh, basically this whole thing they did on the presidents, you know, the lives of all of our presidents up to up to W. And it's real. I really like is they, you know, it's I like the little trivia tidbits they reveal about each president. Yeah. Things you might not know, or people might think, oh, the 2008 election was just the dirtiest ever. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. Yeah. You get some of those elections of the 1800s. Yeah. Those were uh, pretty intense. <laughs> I bet. I or, bet. Uh, of course, you know Teddy Roosevelt giving a speech with a bullet in his, yeah, in, in his, you know, in his chest. You know, gave a whole speech and then left. Yeah, that is a man. Pretty much. You don't even compare. No, no joke. Um, the other one, yeah, there's another box set called Conspiracy. Yeah. Which is you? You want to guess what it's about? Conspiracies. Yeah. Yeah, but what I like about it, it's it doesn't assume any conspiracy is correct. Right. Just tells you the various conspiracy conspiracy that have come out, like you know they like TWA Flight Eight Hundred, mm-hmm. you know the uh, Jack Ruby's shooting of Oswald. Mm. They just tell you the various conspiracies and the evidence that have been gathered from each one. Mm. And they always also do like in the case like no Ruby was just a lone nut job. Yeah. TWA Eight Hundred really was just a 
accident. Right. And then let you form your own conclusions. I gotcha. I like that. Nice. Nice. I like and it. It's, and it's also, but it's really great. They're both like 14 bucks at Best Buy. Okay. So you get a lot of program for only 14 bucks. Yeah. No, sounds, sounds like a good deal. Um, finally, I would like to mention something that you might not be able to buy anymore. I think they're reprinting it. It's called SVK. It's a comic book written by Warren Ellis, uh, but it was printed uh, with ultraviolet ink, and it comes with an ultraviolet little camera light. Um, and so well, some of it's a normal ink, some of it's ultraviolet ink. You have to use the light to see the hidden ink, the ultraviolet ink. Um, it's mainly like dialogue. and. Well, it's. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it because it's... It's about augmented reality and very interesting spy near technologies. And it's a Warren Ellis one-shot. So um, I special ordered it from Britain. It, you know, I had to pay like – it, with shipping, it's about 30 bucks. Didn't but, you yeah. say they also had to do so, like, some kind of security clearance thing? They had it, the, the people who did it – well, I didn't. But the people who printed it had to get special security clearance for the ultraviolet ink. So that was kind of neat. Uh, the the forge by William Gibson, you know he of Neuromancer fame. Oh, uh, oh, he is the one. Yes, and it's just a really cool idea, and it's a very cool little comic. Uh, so if you, they're, I think they're going to reprint it and put out another edition. Um, so yeah, if you like gimmicky comic books, I like check it out. It's a fuckload better than a, a tin foil cover or a foil cover or whatever. I mean, it's like got an actual little gadget with it, and it's got it's integrated in the story extremely well. I will say this: if a vampire stops classic. you at night, you have an ultraviolet light right yeah, there. Exactly, it's a very very small one, but it's there. Dude, so put it in the eyes; he'll go away. Yeah. Um, so it's classic Warren Ellis. So what more do you want? Exactly, Jesus. These uh, people, calm down. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So finally, um, I guess that, that that's all we have in terms of that. We just uh, need to do our little uh, anecdotes. Hello, is a little bit of an anecdote. So Tom, you've been enjoying the Wild Talents game. Here's the arcade, which I will be starting to post very soon because of New the World's over. New World campaign's over. This will be the next campaign. So anyway, so yes, uh, as you may have may or may not know by reading the thread, I am you know me. I am Kyrop, and uh, we had a session where several of the players weren't there, so we kind of had to. We couldn't really go into our big meta plots because that required other people to be there. So uh, the last session we had was actually was kind of a fun, uh, just a fun quick one. It was just it was Caleb, uh, Thad, and myself. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a couple of things I thought were fun. We first thing we had to do is we had to convince a uh, metahuman pop star to uh, help us clear out some radiation from a place, and he's made entirely of mushrooms. That alone, just a pop star, a, a hippie-ish kind of pop star, musician, singer, he's a singer, is uh, made entirely of mushrooms. Uh, just so you know, his, uh, the, character, the NPC's name is Benjamin, and his power was Dar- like Darwin from the X-Men. He could evolve new types of fungus to do whatever he needed to do, so like he was a one fungus man chorus. He'd just grow additional you know, voice boxes and everything, and... Uh, he could obviously grow uh, fungus that could eat radiation. So And, uh, yeah. And we found that too cool for words. We'll be forcing Ross to use more of him. <laughs> How dare you make fun NPCs that we enjoy. I know. But what was really great is what we had to do to get his... Uh, get, to, uh, get him to agree... We'll have his agent agree to let him you know, do this. We had to kill an, an evil assassin. 
And this was not, yeah, this was... Evil assassins were, uh, wanted to use the fungus man to make drugs for them. After so. lobotomizing him. Yeah, so... Which doesn't even, we don't even know if that's even possible. Well, they had magic. They, they, they're oh, confident well, sure. away, so, you know. But, yeah. but anyways, go on. So we had, to, we had to find this assassin and convince him to stop pursuing the target. Well, we know how us, us PCs interpreted that. We have to kill him. We don't negotiate. We don't negotiate with Al-Qaeda. So we actually had to track this guy down to his workplace, which was a meatpacking plant. Which, of course, and um, it was at this point, by the way, that I apparently had the best line of the night. So I said, so essentially what, we're, what we need to do is we have to somehow track down the meatpacking plant in the city that would hire undocumented Hispanic workers. This is what you're telling me. Everyone agreed, Tom, that's, Tom gets a point for that. I was proud of that moment. Because the assassin was Hispanic. Yes. Uh, he's Mexican. So. They were from a uh, drug gang. They were actually the Santa Muerta assassins. Uh, for they worship Santa Muerta, the saint of death, which is an actual real thing that the narco-terrorists do. Yes, indeed. And that was Tom's cell phone. So. Yes, indeed. And uh, we fought them before. You will experience them as the, as the campaign goes on. So we, you know, tracked the guy. We decided to track the guy down at work because we decided a guy this good at stealth, if he left the workplace, we would never see him again. And I don't want to tell you, you're going to have to you know, wait for the episode to come up, but it was, I will just say, it was just a touch one-sided. Well, you, you ambushed him three to one in well, and we also broad had, daylight. And we, had, uh, we had INS with us, Homeland Security. You didn't have them for the takedown. You, you took him down. It was just three superheroes versus him. He wasn't, you, you ambushed him. I mean, you, you, you got oh, the yeah, drop we, on We him. ambushed the assassin. Yeah. That was very dishonorable. No, I'm just saying it was it was a very one sided fight because of that. I mean, you're, you're... I was tr- I was being facetious, Ross. Uh, I see. You you didn't get what I was doing, did you? No, no. no. I'm sure the listeners did. Oh, obviously, you're, my hay you're, fever. You're is a monster, just driving me mad. So, well, it does uh, that. It makes yeah. you crazy. Obviously. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very entertaining uh, little foray. Um, so, oh, just a little hint good. of the things that will come in you know 2012 or whatever. So, because by the way, yeah, I also say if you ever find yourself in a in a legal bind, need someone on your side to represent you in court, hire the rabbit. Yes. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, Hire the, best, the rabbit. The best lawyer they found is a magical rabbit. So, um, based on the trickster archetype. Uh, so, yeah. So, that will... Uh, 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 talk about cliches. Oh, my God. Trickster rabbit. Whackity schmackity do. Anyway, so this has been RPPR episode 60. It's not the cliche. So... Uh, you did it again? Awesome. I know. I don't think I get you to do it twice. I know. I'm like... I'm just Oscar... Ta- I'm an award-winning author, Tom. I've yes, met many times. It's not a cliche. Yes. There you go. I can so, make my voice deeper. Remember to vote for Road Trip on any's-awards.com slash votes, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.